I'm Lights Camera Jackson. It's the LCJ Q&A podcast. You can also read these interviews at animationscoop.com. If you're a fan of Fox Animation Domination, there is a new series joining the lineup. Finally, the long-awaited Propopolis. This show right here. Yes. <laughs> It's finally here. The one-hour series premieres Sunday, September 24th at 8 p.m. on Fox. Joining me, executive producer Steve Levy, supervising director Pete Michaels. Guys, welcome to the LCJ Q&A. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, it's good to meet the both of you. I have watched the first three episodes. They are really fun, entertaining fans of Rick and Morty because it's a Dan, this is a Dan Harmon show. And fans of Fox Animation are going to love it. So congratulations, guys. Thank you. Steve, let me start with you. This show has been a long time coming. We've seen lots of headlines and stories about it over the past few years. <laughs> How does it feel that it's finally here and that you're not only already renewed for season two, but season three? Uh, it's uh, it's a relief that it's finally coming out. We we were we started making this show, I think, in the very beginning of COVID. And uh, no one's seen it except for us. We've been living and breathing this uh, show every day since the beginning of COVID. And uh, it, it's like we've been making it for ourselves almost. Uh, so it, it feels really good that it's it's weeks away from release uh and and yeah that we got the additional season pickups it, it speaks volumes about uh fox's support in the show and, and their and their belief that this is something really special uh which really helps fuel us on the creative side um pushing the boundaries of what we're uh, capable of doing um, both in animation and, and in the writing uh, and 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 pushing Fox S and P to to let us do a little more than they're typically used to. Um, so hopefully we get a season four pickup, uh, maybe even before the show airs. That would be fun. Uh, but we'd love to continue making the show for as long as we can. And 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 we're psyched to see people become fans of it and and react to it. Yeah, that's that's really nice. Yes, we'll we'll see the fingers crossed already. The love the the early pickups are, are really good, and I could tell in watching the first few episodes that there are so many possibilities of what you all can do with storylines down the line. I got that poster at uh, New York Comic Con last October. I know people yep. were at San Diego Comic Con last year as well, promoting the show. How uh, how was the initial buzz and in getting the fans interested and excited for Kropopolis? Well, it was it was great to see you know last year at Comic Con Fox had you know we had wraps on elevators and buildings downtown San Diego it was everywhere we were everywhere so the buzz was was getting started then and then this year at Comic Con it was scaled down a little bit more but we did do a screening and it was great to see the show screened with a live audience as like, usually don't get to see that in television where it work in television so we don't I can't go into your living room and see if the jokes are working and see if things are playing. <laughs> But it was really fun to see a live audience react to it. And, and we had to turn people away. There were not enough seats. Wow. Wow. The excitement is there for Kropopolis. It is a comedy about a dysfunctional family in ancient Greece. And I could tell Steve and watching the first few episodes that at this show's core is this mother son dynamic. Yeah. I, I think Dan wanted to draw a little from his own life and, and, and I guess maybe how things went for him in childhood or, or uh, how he wished things may have gone. But uh, the idea for the, the show really started with like, well, what if this was a workplace comedy where uh, we have a character who wants to push civilization into progress uh, rather than keep it in the dark ages. 
Um, and he's fighting against all the craziness of the times. So you have the cannibals and you have constant war and uh, people don't know how to cook. There's like, no, there's like nothing uh, really invented yet. Mm. Um, there's no uh, sewage system or, or anything. And so you have one guy who's just like, not an inventor himself, but a visionary who's really great at communicating and trying to, to push the world into the future. Um, so we took, we started with that character and that became Tyrannus and the mother son relationship came out of kind of like, well, what if, what if his mother had a foot in that old world where they didn't want any of that progress. And so you set up the dichotomy from the start and it's like, well, back then the gods control the world progress threatens the gods uh so like philosophically we were just kind of building the world based on the 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 ancient religion of the greek gods versus humanity and how technology and progress and intellect can start to like fight the idea of the gods and so we made deliria his mother uh, a goddess and 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 to give her a little more backstory, she's kind of ousted from from the god. She's like a sea list god. Uh, a, a, she's a, a, a like a blue beetle in the DC universe. You know, like a character you wouldn't really know up front. It's a relationship I'm I'm really excited for everyone to 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 get to uh, interact with. They're really fun. Uh, Deliria is is a is a mother who doesn't want to give any sort of praise to her child she named him tyrannus because she expected him to be a great warrior king who's killing people in the name of deliria the goddess you know she wants to be one of the most well-known gods in, in all of uh, ancient greece and he's this kind of wimpy guy who's like no like brains win out over brawn and so She's disappointed in him. He's a failure in her eyes, though his name is Tyrannus. And and he hates his mother. She's overbearing. She does whatever she wants and doesn't believe in what he believes in. And it creates a lot of conflict throughout the series. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, they both kind of still love each other, uh, whether they're willing to admit that or not. Right. It's comedic conflict with heart. That's what you get. Yes, for sure. Out of that relationship. And and there are such specific visual designs of the city, the buildings, the clothing. The clothing is really nice. Uh, Pete, as as you were making this, did you study ancient Greece? How, how detailed did you want to get? How thorough did you want to get in your research? What well, we did, we actually did a lot of research as we were designing the show. We knew we wanted to make it look different than than other shows on Fox, and we wanted to make it look different than Rick and Morty. We wanted to make it stand out. So uh, we were building a civilization that never existed but could have. So we wanted to make it believable. We wanted to make it realistic enough that, like, you could believe that oh, that there really was a Acropolis, you know, just north of you know Crete or Manoa or any of those ancient civilizations. And we actually did uh, do a lot of research in, in a lot of the wall paintings and frescoes uh, are motifs that are taken right out of archaeology. You know, the, the things that were were discovered over the years in uh, Minoan society and uh, ancient Greek, even before not the classical period that we know of, like the Acropolis and Pericles and and uh, 
450 BC era, but way before that. It's like this is these people are their great grandparents or or further back. So they it was a little bit bit more uh, primitive. So also the technology were limited to Bronze Age. So it's early Bronze Age. So they do have metal, but you know their their gadgets and things and tools are made of wood and and stone and a little bit of metal and leather and sheep guts and whatever they mm-hmm. do. But we did do a lot of research and it was fun doing the research to make sure that even the clothing, like what kind of clothing did they wear? We wanted to make sure it didn't look like Rome or what we think of just like, you know, instantly visually recognizable. Oh, that's ancient times, but it, that's that that's Roman or that's classical Greek. We wanted to go further back than that and make it make it believable, but yet unique to itself as well. I think you pulled that off and it made me think back to looking through my history books when I was in school. And that's really great. Going back to the character of Delirious Steve with Hannah Waddingham voicing her, obviously Emmy winner for Ted Lasso. She's so good as Rebecca on that show with such a strong presence. And in this show, you're right, Deliria thinks she's the center of attention all the time with a smile, always with a smile and a purpose. So just to give context as far as like timing, like I had just seen Ted Lasso, uh, like it had just come out. And when we were casting the characters, I kept saying to Dan, we need to go out to Hannah Waddingham. She would be amazing. And he's like, I don't know who that is. I I, I haven't seen Ted Lasso yet, uh, though he had seen Game of Thrones. He's bad with faces and names. But uh, anyway, um, Fox is like all about it. And they were willing to play ball. And the first day that we recorded her, Dan went, holy moly, like this. She is the one. She is crushing it. That is the character. Um, and she elevates everything we write for her. She is so open to work, uh, to find the right read, but also like, you, you really don't have to direct her. She kind of like, just, just goes, she's like, what if I try it this way or, or, or that way? Uh, give it a little nuance here. Uh, she'll also be like, you know, Brits wouldn't say it this way. Can we try it this way? It's like, sure. Yeah. Um, but she always comes into the booth with so much energy and she's so freaking funny and so warm and uh, an absolute blast to work with. Cool. Cool. And she gets That's- to sing a little bit. She does. She does. She does. Yeah. And and just even, you know, from a, an animator um, point of view, just having her voice to, to draw to, it gives you so much that you can work with that, that you can really put into the drawings. It's all there. And you just want to grab onto that and make that pose really um, accentuate what she's doing in the performance. That's cool. And that's a perfect segue into my next question, Pete, because I, I also got at Comic-Con a pin of Stupendous, uh, which is really fun. I've, <laughs> I've kept it this whole time waiting for the premiere and it's finally here. And and Pete, tell me about the, the character designs, because they are visually interesting looking characters and even tons of background characters. There's a, the second episode is a, at a sporting event and there's just tons and tons of background characters. So what were the challenges and the strengths you found in the character designs? Uh, the character designs were again. We we went through a lot of character. I think we had something like eighty different versions of Tyrannus that uh, we, we went. Oh yeah, ever like well, trade change. Well, let's give him a beard. He had a beard at one point, like a goatee. Let's change the crown. Let's give him different hair, different color shirt. Or di- so we wanted it to be kind of iconic, so that the Tyrannus outfit and his whole look was immediately recognizable. So that you can you can recognize somebody at Comic Con. Oh, there's Tyrannus. You know, there's there's somebody in Tyrannus costume or. Um, you know, something that, that was just 
right there, just like up there with Homer Simpson and any iconic cartoon character. We wanted to be instantly recognizable. But to get that and to get that essence, it did take a while. And we just went back and forth a lot. And we, at one point we thought, you know, let's just start with a clean slate. Andy Rustano, our character designer, just did, said, you know what, he, we told him, just, just do a whole bunch of Greek guys. And he did like a page and a half, two pages of just doodles of, of ancient Greek guys. And we looked, oh, there it is right there. There's the guy. So you get kind of arrived at that. And and the other characters too, even Stupendous, um, you know, we knew that she's, you know, half part Cyclops. So we, and she's kind of a hulking character with incredible strengths. So we wanted to, to still have her be feminine, but still be a, a strong character, a strong woman that was also instantly recognizable and not too cliche, but getting her look and getting her, being able to give her a, a soft side as well. Um, hippocampus was also a challenge because he's in he's, he lives in a ball he's he's part fish so he how does he get around how does he move how do we going to sit him down how is he going to if he falls down how does he get up so there's all those little challenges and and, and uh things that you have to think of like well how are we going to draw that you know yeah. uh, this looks great but how are we going to draw that this is this costume is awesome it's got all these things on it but how are we going to draw that and efficiently and in a timely manner without without driving ourselves crazy but um, yeah, a lot of the, all those things all fit together, um, and our design team really just knocked it out of the park. You can watch it all come together with Kripopolis. The series premiere is this Sunday, one hour, eight o'clock on Fox. I've got Steve Levy and Pete Michaels here with me on the LCJ Q&A podcast. The show moves to 8.30 in between The Simpsons and Bob's Burgers starting October 1. One of the key aspects of the show as well, Steve, is the modern flair the dialogue and the idea of people inventing certain things. How did you want to seamlessly incorporate the modern dialogue and references into ancient Greece and make it work? Yeah, we were very care- we were very careful to not have anything too anachronistic. Um, I, I think like we, we want it to be, we're not trying to write like Shakespeare, like, you know, where it's like old English. It's not like like what they would have said in the times like we wanted it to still be funny and and relatable uh but we certainly weren't gonna use any turns of phrase that wouldn't make sense based on the technology they had or uh like events that would have happened in history um so a lot of thought went into kind of like the guardrails of uh what can and can't be said in this world just like we were talking about with um, the the clothing and uh, what the houses look like or the city itself looks like. A lot of research went into these things. We, we wanted it to really feel like ancient Greece. Even the score that we have it, it, it is derived from old ancient Greek music um, and instruments. There, it's on occasion we'll use an instrument that like they didn't have or uh, like a like a newer iteration of an instrument they did have or something like that but we tried to play all within like yes of course it's an ancient greek animated comedy for fox uh but we still wanted it to feel pretty real to the time and if you're a fan of greek mythology we wanted it to uh to feel like you're kind of jumping into the comedy versions of the old myths that that you like to read because it's funny to hear modern references within all of this but it it makes sense and it works because it's clever and there's another meaning and when people say oh i'm the first person to invent this or say this or do this i think audiences are going to just eat that up (laughs) i hope so 
Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a challenge there too, to, to make certain things that are relatable to modern audiences. Like, you know, they didn't have cell phones. So, you know, how do you get that point across like without their cell phones or without the internet? So we have like ancient the, equivalents of those things. The biggest challenge is they don't have written language. So yeah. we can't have signs like this building is the apothecary. Like, you know, it, this building is the doctor. Uh, we, we only have like, like, uh, pictographs, you know, it's, it's all drawings and which is a runner in the show. It's like, weren't you supposed to invent me written language? And it's like, eh, I'm getting to it. Uh, you know, it's like, they're so, uh, uh, far from what we have today, but that's, that's the point is like, it, it seems like they're a lot different, but really they're just like us, like regardless of the technology, the objects they have, or the knowledge of how certain things in science and the world work. Uh, it doesn't matter. We're all human, well, except for the monsters. But even the monsters and the gods in the show still have a little bit of heart, uh, like you said. But uh, we, we're, we're, we're the same, you know? We're, we're just as stupid uh, in a lot of ways as they were then. And uh, we certainly feel the same emotions as, as, as people in ancient Greece. So uh, yeah, we wanted to keep it uh, as contemporary and relatable as possible, but while staying within the confines of, of that time period, when there's an invention or there's a thing that they didn't have back then, it was like, well, how could they have accidentally invented it? Or what did they have back then? Like, there are inventions in the show that like some of them are a little bit of a stretch, but there are other things. It's like truly like they were, the artists were thinking about like, okay, well they had wood, they had this, they had that. Like if we put a couple of those things together, it could make a thing that does this thing. And it's like, Oh, okay. And they, they're, they're becoming inventors themselves, like trying to come up with something that doesn't feel like sci-fi, it, 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 you know, it like they're too futuristic but feels like it still works within that world. Um, so yeah. it, it was a really fun challenge. And it is. And you get we the, pulled it off. We did. I really, the, the design team, you know, they, they are up for those challenges. And, you know, how do you think certain things like, well, how they have a solar powered boat? Well, how did you, how would you have made that in ancient Greece or, you know, uh, some kind of machine that, and, and then even on Rick and Morty, um, he was all about the the technology. Anything that Rick would invent had to be believable. The technology had to be believable. That someone actually, some old guy could actually build this in his garage and make a butter robot or a machine that does anything that he wants. So we we kind of carry that into Kropopolis as well. So any type of gadgets or things that, that they have has to look believable. Like, oh, they could have made that with like, you know, sticking two copper pieces of metal into lemons and made electricity or something. You know, it goes back to like basic high school science experiments. But there's a lot of conversation about hippos. He, he like his little like his helmet situation, but also he's like not deformed, but like he the combination of creatures that he is, he is not bipedal, but not in the same way that um, a human is because he has small legs, uh, a bigger torso and a bigger head. Uh, and his feet don't necessarily touch the ground or couldn't really support themselves uh, the way that um, some of the healthy humans in uh, Crapopolis are walking around and running around, whatever. We we had uh, 
to build this kind of like we kept comparing it to um like a high chair like a baby high chair yeah, that he was sitting in yeah. yeah and like uh i remember pete dan going like well he has to be able to take a beat like take some damage or like if it breaks like he's an inventor so he, like we he, we came up with like this stick system where like if a part of his little contraption breaks he has like extra sticks that he can like put that have wheels on them so that he can continue getting around and being mobile it was just like a, like we thought it, we really took a lot of time to make sure all the logic uh worked out uh for for hippo and the inventions all the puzzle pieces coming together, making it happen. Fans are going to appreciate this. Um, Pete, with the state of animation domination today, we've had new shows come into the lineup like yours. There's more on the way. What do you think that Kropopolis as a show, being a part of this iconic group of Fox animated shows, says about animation domination today? Well, I think it's just it's animation is alive and well, especially uh, you know prime time adult animation. It's it and just by the the just the fact of the the time slot that we're in it says volumes about the show and about you know. I and mean, we're between The Simpsons and Bob's Burger. You can't Bob's Burgers. You can't ask for a better time slot than that. And so, you know, we really think that the, this show has got some legs and it's going to take off. And the network is behind us as well. And I think, you know, the animation domination will, will, it will really support that. And it could be, you know, up, up there as uh, we could see Kropopolis for 30 years. Who knows? That'd be, that would be fun. That would be fun. Yes. Simpsons, this Bob's burgers, family guy, what a fall lineup for animation domination. So before we go guys, where are you in production? Because you're renewed for season two, season three, where are you in terms of uh, making the episodes and, and are you really thinking about uh, storylines already two plus years down the line? I, I think so. Yeah. We're so just where we are, we're season one. We're in the final mix on the last couple episodes, season two, we're in production and post-production on uh that those episodes some are uh still in animatic phase while others are coming back in color so we're doing post on those um and season three is uh i want to say like more than halfway written and so we're still writing the season three episodes but also season three is in production so we have uh animatics coming back in on season three that we're doing edits on uh so we're we're like really in the thick of it uh across the board all, 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 all we're in, in writing and production and post and just jumping back and forth every day between all those different seasons and it's hard to keep track of sometimes it is sometimes especially if like if shows have just numbers and you know a, a production might ask me well have you have you gotten through the, the your, your notes for like 204 or something like Oh, wait, which one was two or four again? Three oh seven. Yeah, it's seven two or four. Wait, which is that? Two? But yeah, we're we're. I think um, we started. We've already started boarding on like the tenth episode of of season three, so we're well into it. Yeah. Wow, and you got to keep those secrets for a couple of years, but they'll be worth the wait. Yes, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, very good. Kropopolis, the one-hour series premiere, Sunday, September 24th at 8 p.m. on Fox. It moves to 8.30 uh, right after The Simpsons on Sunday, October 1st. The brand-new Fox Animation Domination Show. Congratulations, Steve Levy, Pete Michaels. Thank you for being here today on the LCJ Q&A podcast. Thank you for having us. You, yeah. All right, I'm Lights Camera Jackson. For all of these episodes, go to Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, lights-camera-jackson.com, and you can read these Q&As 
at animationscoop.com. Thank you so much for listening to the LCJ Q&A. <laughs>